All right. Well, that was a, a pleasant surprise. A, a weekend that we thought was going to uh, be fruitful, but maybe not for a couple of weeks, ended up being a really uh, big deal for Florida State. And that will be our jumping off point for this episode of the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone. Joining me today, Chris Nee in person. Uh, we got Josh Newberg over the Skype, uh, and he's going to try to not type and be loud on the other end. And we're going to talk about a lot of recruiting. We're going to kind of sum up what happened this past weekend and go into what's going to be a really big weekend for uh, for Florida State down the stretch. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk official visits this past weekend. And Chris, start us off, please, with uh, commitment number one, Xavier Peters. Well, they had five total in on the weekend. Two were committed when they walked in the door, and when they walked out the door, four of the five were committed. Xavier Peters, Lakota West, uh, Ohio kid, committed to Kentucky, walking in the door, walked out, and told us he was committed to FSU. He's a 6'4", 200 and a quarter, a little bit more than that, edge rusher. How surprised were you? Because going into it, you guys thought, both of you thought there was a chance Florida State could get inroads with guys that would commit. That he committed? But, that he committed right then and there. Um, I mean, there's always a visit high, so commitment's certainly possible. I thought he would end up in FSU's class. I'm not sure I thought he would do it on Sunday for mm-hmm. sure. But he has a really good relationship with Raymond Woody, linebacker coach. He did a real good job at Oregon in previous stops recruiting him. And, I mean, FSU is a better option than Kentucky. Not to take a slide on Kentucky, but the truth is that's the case. Plus, the truth is FSU needs a guy like that. There's a drastic need. It's not just, hey, let me upgrade the school I'm going to. It's, you know, you can upgrade the playing opportunity too. But he's a really impressive, physical-looking kid. His film stands out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy I wrote about this morning. Dion kind of told Taggart and the staff that he was very high on him. Who? After Dion Sanders, you know, FSU legend. Oh, yeah. Um, told FSU he was very high on him after spending a week at the Under Armour game with him and having him in the game. And he's just an impressive, physical specimen. And he can do a lot of different things. He could play some inside backer, outside backer, edge rusher, D-end. So there's versatility that you need on a defense. Josh, let's get your uh, your hot takes on the on the Xavier Peters pledge. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Chris. Um, to an extent, Mark Snyder also had a relationship with him from Michigan State, and um, you know, I think they. When you look at it, I mean, what linebacker, a big time linebacker, is going to really sign with Kentucky over Florida State? You know. So it was just a matter of getting him to campus. And once they were able to get him on campus, hanging out with Amari Gaynor and um, some of the boys, I think it was a done deal probably about by Saturday. And then he was ready to uh, announce it on Sunday when he came when he came out of the Moore Center. When did, uh, when did Florida realize he wasn't on campus? About Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> uh, word got, you know, they... they and who knows what the kid was telling them. I mean, yeah. The kid might have been telling UF that he was coming. So I've heard Xavier Peters a bit of a wild card, um, dances to his own beat, things like that. But I've also been told that his personality makes him a violent hitter on the defensive side of the football. So nothing really surprised me with that recruitment and the way that that week went down. Um I wasn't really trying to figure it out. My thing was just like, wait till the end of the week and see where he shows up. But from what I was being told, the FSU staff was confident the entire week that he was going to be there. Yeah, they'd been steadfast that he was coming for more than a week. I think their first visit, I think it was Harlan, Odell, and Raymond Woody went up there that first week out on the road. And they were confident at that point it would be a 26 and that he would come to FSU for a visit. What, and they, they held steady with that throughout. What what stood out to you, Chris? Because I was listening to you right before we were recording the podcast. You were going over some of the audio with, with Xavier Peters from your interview with him 
post commitment or yeah. uh, he sounded really really sharp. I guess what stood out to you in your conversation with him? Uh, he just he's definitely a relationship based kid. I mean, if Raymond Woody hadn't done the work he did with him, FSU wouldn't have been in the discussion. Like at or- at, from Oregon from previously, yeah, from Oregon. Just mm-hmm. I believe he'd known him for about two years. Okay. Um, and he's a kid that he just wants to go play high-level football. Like, he has a desire to play at a really high-level program. He talked, I believe, about an uncle. I think he was deceased that uh, always liked FSU and had an interest. So he's kind of celebrating his memory with hmm. commitment in some way. But, you know, he just he wanted to go play for a really good football program. Mm-hmm. He's one of those kids that he seems to have a thirst for playing the game. Mm-hmm. It's not just a means to an end to get to college. He really likes playing it. And he plays that way. I mean, if you watch film of him, he's an ultra-violent kid. He's like Montez Perfect. He's going to go whoop somebody's ass yeah. on the other side of the ball. And that he likes doing it. Like, he has a bloodlust. That, that was one of the things that stood out to me when watching, going through, skimming through his, his highlight tape was not just the bigots, but how he could – he did it in such confined spaces. Like, yeah. he, he was looking to knock someone out, which is, you know, what you want um, yeah, and, and, as a defensive player. It, seeing him in person does the pictures of him justice physically. Yeah. I mean, he's – He's put together. He's he's a, he's a defensive. Like there's some. I mean, he could do a lot of different things, but he's two forty five right now, and those arms and shoulders like lead you believe that that he's going to keep getting bigger. Yeah, he's he's listed at two and a quarter. He's certainly more filled out than that, and mm-hmm. he's a guy that can definitely line up on the edge. But I think he can also get away with being an outside backer. He could stand in space and do some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's certainly athletic and can can move uh, bend. Uh, Josh, do you have any? There's there were a lot of. Uh, after he committed, people asking about questions with his grades. Do you have any intel on that right now? Is that kind of a wait and see type of deal? He's very close. It all depends who I talk to. Mm-hmm. Some people will tell me that he's going to make it in. You know, he's got some work to do, but he'll make it in. And others tell me he has no chance. So mm-hmm. we will see. Um, I think one of the reasons why he didn't early enroll in Kentucky is because he's going to have the chance to retake some classes after spring semester. And I think that probably was why he was not able to uh, – why Kentucky held off. Um, as far as signing him, not enrolling him, signing him. As far as signing him. Yeah. yeah. So I think the people that are confident are confident because he's going to be able to retake some classes. and They assume he's going to do well on those. Um, but like I said, it just depends. And I, look, we don't have his transcripts. This isn't like public information. We can't just say – yeah, you know, I did the calculations, and, and, it, and it does look like he's going to be eligible. We're just going on hearsay. It's all about what people are telling us. So nobody really knows for sure. Um, we're going to probably field a 1,000 questions between now and June, but honestly, we won't know until probably the end of June on whether or not he's going to be eligible, for sure. Yeah, you, you can't put in a FOIA request for a high school kid's uh, transcripts. Right. Uh, he did come off as really bright and thoughtful in the interview that Chris had with him. So, I mean, I, I think that that seems like a positive thing for Florida State in that regard. And half the time with grades, it's because a kid falters early in their high school career, freshman, sophomore year, and they end up having to play catch-up yeah, on the back end. So sometimes it's a light comes on and a kid realizes, oh, I shouldn't be a true in or skip class or, you know, I should pay attention or take notes. So, yeah, there's plenty of guys that we've seen essentially make up a year of their high school career on the back end of their high school career to get qualified. Sorry, I got distracted. Yeah. The, the trash guy, the trash guys are messing up my lawn trying to take off the uh, all the vegetation and, and trees, branches. 
They mess up the yard. You're so bad at focusing. <laughs> and obviously the uh, Florida State staff has seen his transcripts and they're projecting and they have enough confidence to believe that, you know, he's going to get in. But I don't think even they really know for sure at this juncture and if he'll get in or not. So I, I mentioned this when Sedone brought it up to me earlier off air. Um, I don't think Miami would have been involved in that recruitment if there, if there was no shot for the kid. Miami's out of the three, big three in the state of Florida, the toughest of the three to get into. It's the most stringent, um, you know, with limited student body and whatnot, too. That also plays a role. So I don't think Miami would have been involved in that recruitment, and they certainly were if they believed there was no chance he could get into school. Yeah. The other commitment of the weekend to move it on is Dennis Briggs. Now, he came out and told us he's coming in as a boundary defensive end. I still think long-term he may end up sliding inside. He's built a lot like a D-tackle. He's got a very large backside. He's about 270, 275 these days. But he's a talented kid, good with his hands, get-off blocks, strong kid, smart kid. I, I like Dennis a great deal personally. I think he's a high-character kid, very enjoyable to talk to, very good home life, comes off as a kid that was raised right. So he's one of those I think is going to have a good college career regardless of how good he turns out to be. Like I think he's always going to be – a guy that would contribute, be productive, be valuable in practice, all those kind of things. So a talented kid and a really nice win for Willie and his staff. That was a recruitment that was always very tight. A lot of people thought Miami led consistently throughout. There were times where I certainly thought Miami led, but it was always very close. People kind of acted like Miami had some great lead throughout that recruitment. They never did. It was always very much one and two or right on the heels of each other. And it, there were times it went back and forth. There was a period in December actually right after Jimbo left FSU, where FSU kind of moved into the lead because Miami sort of slow played them for the first couple weeks they were on the road in December. And then they went back in right before the dead period, and it seemed to swing back towards Miami. But FSU got him in, knocked it out of park. He'd always had kind of a feeling about FSU when he was on campus. And the guy that deserves a great deal of credit, among many who deserve credit, is Odell Higgins. Odell was the bridge that allowed that to go from the old staff to the new staff and allowed FSU to land them in the end. I was, uh, I was talking to, for, for our listeners who don't know, Chris Hayes covers uh, recruiting down in Central Florida for the Orlando Sentinel, and after he committed, I was just asking Hayes about Dennis Briggs, and, and he said that was probably one of his favorite guys, not his favorite guy that's recruiting cycle locally to cover just because he was always thoughtful, always polite. Um, so, yeah, it seems like you're getting the, the character there, check. Yeah. Uh, the position versatility, like Chris kind of alluded to, he could play defensive end, he could play defensive tackle, he has the frame to, to do both, kind of be malleable in that way. Uh, and you watch his highlight tape, like he, he hustles all over the field, makes a lot of effort plays, really quick first step. There's a lot to like about him. So that was, that was a big get for, for Florida State. And then the significance you mentioned, uh, it's a win over Miami. Uh, Xavier Peters was, you know, more or less a win over Florida too. So Willie Taggart made a couple of uh, couple statements this weekend. That's your cue, Josh. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Uh, we weren't really <laughs> anticipating any commits, like you said. I kind of thought this close to signing day, these guys would kind of wait. Um, and with Dennis Briggs, remember there was a couple times where he was making back to back to back visits to Miami, like late summer. Um, and it, and it looked like, you know, Florida State needed to weather those storms in order to still have a shot. And then I, I agree with Chris. I think Odell Higgins was the key to this one. Um, not only just his personality, but just maintaining that relationship throughout the staff change. Because it's hard to keep in contact with everybody when you don't have a position coach. 
And Odell Higgins was the only position coach that, you know, made it through the transition and locked in. So that probably had a lot to do with Briggs signing with Florida State. Yeah, and one thing to add on all those Miami visits that Briggs took, he was the only uncommitted recruit, I believe, at their cookout, which is one of their real big recruiting things on the summer. He was the only uncommitted kid that went to that. A lot of people thought on Miami beat that he may shut it down then and there, and he was pretty steadfast. He wanted to take officials and play it out, and he did that. But, I mean, that that says something. Miami's not going to bring in a kid they don't believe will be part of Storm 18 mm-hmm. that weekend, you know without the belief that he's going to be part of our class. So they swung and they missed, but it's good for FSU. Now the one uncommitted kid that was in this weekend, Jamarcus Chapman, bit of a tweener, DND tackle type. You know, for his weight, he's about 260-pound kid. He looks really good. Like, he looks like a DN on the hoof, but weight, he's kind of in that tweener the, the space. The pictures of him look like he was as well built. I mean, yeah, he, he carries it unbelievably well. Yeah. He does not look near as heavy as he's listed. We have, and what, he 250 is listed? 258, I okay. think, is what we list him at. And he is legitimately that size, weight-wise, but he doesn't look heavy. Like, him and Briggs are all 10 pounds apart, basically, and Briggs looks so much larger from mm-hmm. a thick girth standpoint than Chapman does. But Jamarcus, talented kid. I think FSU kind of wowed him. Um, it was his first time down there. Big swing for FSU. They really want to take a look at him. He's a kid that Willie offered pretty early upon getting the job here back around Christmas time. Really likes him a lot. He's visited North Carolina and Virginia Tech officially before coming to FSU. He'd also taken an unofficial to Georgia Tech back in December. Those three schools, along with Miami, who he's going to visit this weekend, remain in the picture. I really think the battle is it's tough because he's he says he's pretty even doesn't really shed light on these i think at the end of the day the battle may truly come down to fsu and miami for him and miami's going to be tough to beat because of their drastic need up front and he's always been a big fan of miami miami was a school that early in his recruitment before he committed to i believe it was lsu he's been commanded lsu in tennessee previously (laughs) before he committed to lsu i believe miami was the school that most people thought he was going to go to so we're talking many many months ago and now they're here in the end still in it Worth. Let me ask you guys this. So we got Chapman. Uh, you mentioned Dennis Briggs and Xavier Peters earlier in their recruitments. Uh, it's kind of like the good old days with with some Florida State, Florida, Miami type of uh, recruitments going down the wire. Who's the, the defensive end from South Florida? Blanking off the well, Andrew Chatfield. A battle another, between the big three: Malcolm Emory, Lamar Emory between was, FSU and Florida. Emory Jones was. Florida State and Florida down to the wire. Some of that is uh, the fact that both FSU and Florida State, or I'm sorry, FSU and Florida, Florida. are dealing with new coaching staffs, having to identify targets and a limited pool of targets. Mm-hmm. And for Miami, it's because of losing R.J. McIntosh and Kendrick Norton early to the draft. Mm-hmm. They have a drastic need up front. So that's why they're kind of crossing over one another in those spots. Well, it's just interesting because in past years, we haven't seen that many. It would be one or two, but not that many. So... Um, Josh, do you have anything on uh, Chapman to add before we move on to the other uh, official visits? I just think that Florida State did a really good job putting themselves in a position better than I thought they would be coming off that visit. Um, I still believe Miami is going to be the biggest competition and he visits there this weekend, but I'm, I'm, vi- I'm much more optimistic about the chances of landing Chapman than I was prior to his visit, put it that way. All right. And then the other the other two guys that were on officials, uh, Jalen Goss, offensive tackle, mm-hmm. already committed from uh, from Aldosta, and then uh, and then Demarcus Adams, wide receiver from Daytona Beach. That was just kind of shoring things up, right? Yeah, Goss is long and lean, very firmly committed, like Greg Fry, great deal. Hung out with Gabe Neighbors, former high school teammate mm-hmm. who's at FSU. 
Demarcus Adams been pretty much consistently 100% throughout the entire transition. Came with dad, and I believe it's his stepmom. I, I don't think it's his paternal mother, but I, I don't know if he calls her mom or not, but whatever. <laughs> Came with both parents, enjoyed the visit, had a great time, hung out with Amari, some other dudes. Definitely likes it. Obviously a position of need, and he talked a little bit with us afterwards, and then he also mentioned just how FSU needs to close with receivers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's not a guy that's scared of competition. He's willing to compete, vertical threat, really speedy guy. He'll need to learn some things when he gets to the college level at the position as far as the uh, intricacies. But very, very talented dude. Nice dude, too. Easy to get along with, easy to talk to. I think I think he's a guy that will pretty smoothly transition to being part of the team and the offensive group. Goss is a bit more reserved and quiet kind of guy. Well, speaking of um, solidifying wide receivers, let's move on to this upcoming uh, weekend with official visits. And, and let's start off with, well, there's going to be a handful of guys. And this is a huge weekend for Florida State, probably the biggest uh, official visit weekend that we've had up to this point. Uh, but let's start off with Sean Harrison, four-star athlete, but mostly a wide receiver uh, out of Washington. And he was formally uh, committed to to Oregon, Willie Taggart's staff there. So, uh, Josh, I'll let you take the lead on Sean Harrison. I guess what you're hearing about him at this point, and obviously that seems like it probably arguably the biggest name or one of the biggest names left on the board for Florida State. Yeah, he's a uh, battle right now between Florida State and Oregon primarily, I believe. Um Utah, you, Utah's in there too. I would definitely yeah, Utah's say. in there, and then I told I was told a sleeper team to watch would be Arizona. Um, but a lot of confidence coming out of FSU right now. However, they're being heavily uh, recruited against by Oregon. Um, with Willie Taggart leaving, uh, there's a lot of words being said about that with Trayshawn and and the trust level there. And um, I don't like to use the word negative recruiting. 10 days out from signing day. It's just recruiting. This is just <laughs> how it goes. Um, so they're going to battle against that. Oregon's going to do a big in-home visit today. Today's Tuesday as we record this. And Florida State's going to go in-home on Wednesday. Um, we'll have more on that on the site later today. But we expect Florida State's offensive staff to be with Trayshawn on Wednesday and then him to head over to Tallahassee on Friday for his official visit. Um, they're definitely going to roll out the red carpet. He's the number one wide receiver on Florida State's board after they reevaluated things, and they're going to let him know that. So, if they can, if they can do have the same impact that they had last week and on these official visits, then I really like Florida State's chances of landing Trayshawn Harrison. Yeah, and one thing to add to that, I've heard that Willie has done a phenomenal job with his mother, and she's going to be the biggest voice in the room with him. And especially when you're talking about going across country, I think that's kind of a, a sell that you need is is to have... you got to win mom. Yep, yep. you got to feel comfortable sending baby away you know, thousands of miles. So uh, in Florida State, heading the last official visit, seems like that's going to be significant too. Uh, you know, I'm not the recruiting guru. That's your two guys' job. But I would just say looking at it from you know kind of outside looking in, wide receiver going with... You know, Florida State or, or Utah, like what makes more sense? If you were from Utah or something, that makes sense. But uh, it's it's a it's a long plane ride, no matter what. I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, so that would that would be my my assumption is that Florida State's in a good position there. Uh, let's move on down the list to uh, uh, the probably the other biggest name, and that's James Foster, a yeah. quarterback from from Birmingham, and that's. Uh, you talk about need in this class. You talk about talent level. Uh, that's why I put him and Trayshawn Harrison 1A, 1B in terms of guys that they need to get uh, to finish things off. Yeah, he is the quarterback target for FSU in this class. They've never went after anybody else, never evaluated anybody else. 
It's Ben James Foster, Walt Bell, and I presume some others will be in the living room today. Uh, Willie's already been by there to see him, see mom. The previous staff, credit to Randy Sanders and Lawrence Dossie, both did a good job there with the kid. He really liked FSU a lot, and even after the coaching transition began, those guys kept it up with him. And Willie and the new staff has gone you know, steadfast, full-fledged ahead pursuing him. Um, most people feel it's FSU or LSU. Even people tied into Alabama and Texas A&M, who are the other two main schools in it, seem to think it's an FSU-LSU deal. And people on the LSU end think it's FSU. So mm-hmm. the fact that FSU hasn't ever had him on campus and is about to get him on campus, the fact that he fits the offense very, very well, the fact that they're trying to bring in really good offensive talent around him, including a stud wide receiver who will visit with him this weekend, yeah. Trayshawn Harrison, things look really good for the Seminoles. I mean, it's tough to kind of – try to make people hesitate on believing that that might happen. But going into the weekend, there's a real strong belief that FSU is going to be able to close him. Yeah, I think they get him. I love Josh. Short, Dun- concise, and to the damn point. Dun- Dun- dynamite drop-in. Well, we're polar opposites here. The other offensive talent coming in this weekend, Anthony Grant, Tennessee commitment running back. He's kind of one of those that I truthfully don't know how much the staff is all in on trying to get. North Carolina has been working really hard to flip him from the Volunteers. He's a Buford kid, 5'11", 200, speedy, physical back. Good player, nice player, but he's just kind of a late offer from FSU. Haven't really – I've talked to him here and there, but I've never gotten this vibe that he's all about FSU. But he is still taking the visit as of Monday. He told me he was still on for coming to FSU. So we'll see what the weekend brings with him. Keyshawn Helton, an under-the-radar slot receiver from Pensacola area. Talking to a couple Pensacola area high school coaches who I know – He's a guy that they praised a great deal before he was even on FSU's radar, so that's kind of a good sign. His highlight tape was awesome. Yeah, was a he, lot of fun. he's good on film. Yeah. He played really well against Trinity Christian, whose entire secondary is going to play D1 football. I mean, he's one of those guys that there's a lot of nice things about him. The measurements aren't great, but whatever. It's an offense where it's about getting a ball in space to athletically gifted people, mm-hmm. and he fits those parameters. And then they're also bringing in two linemen, Chaz Neal. I don't have much to say about him. And Christian Meadows, talented interior guy that Greg Fry seems to really like. Chaz is entirely a developmental one. We'll see if he turns into anything ever. So that's the offensive guys coming in. You got anything to add on those four, Josh? No. Uh, no. All right. Good stuff. We, we, we really I'll, lost I'll let Josh. you take the lead here. The one defensive official visitor on the docket as of right now is James Miller, linebacker for Armwood. You've obviously seen him in person. You know the Armwood guys. You're part of the curse. Talk a little bit about James Miller. Am I part of the problem or part of the solution? We'll I don't, see. I don't know. Man. We'll Wait, see. Before we read James Miller, for people that don't know, Josh, what, what the hell is the Armwood curse? Where did it originate? <laughs> Why does it exist? Is it's it real? Your favorite topic, Newberg. Yes, it is real. <laughs> I fully embraced it about a year ago at this time. I'm just – I am fully on board with the curse. Um I think I, I think I have a lot to do with the curse, actually. So um, if the curse is broken, I think, I think I should leave the site. I think I should just retire. I heard you once drove Byron Cowart to Auburn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so James Miller is a guy <laughs> that is a you know, downhill thumper in the middle of that Armwood defense. Um, I'm not going to call him a sleeper prospect because we know that every single school in America has come through Sefner, uh, Florida, to recruit Armwood. They've all watched James Miller. Uh, James Miller's played on the biggest stage at the high school 
uh, championship this year against Miami Central. So it's it. There's the question marks around Miller are his ability to play in space and his grades. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody that wants to deny that he has a grade issue, just go look at why he would visit Marshall two weeks ago. That's always an indicator that a kid might not be able to make it in when when he goes and takes an official visit to Marshall. Um, so that was part of the reason why he, he, he got a late offer. And the other is, you know, can he play in space? Or is he just a, a downhill thumper? Yeah. Um, Florida State has been watching him for a while. They're intrigued by his film. They've certainly done their due diligence. They know where he stands on grades. And uh, the head man offered him, I think it was what, last Monday or Tuesday? When, when did he get the offer? Uh, a week ago? Yeah, it was last week, early to mid-week last week. Last week. And that definitely came from Willie Taggart. Um, and all signs point to him coming in for an official visit this weekend. I think if the official visit happens, uh, then I think he ends up in the class. Yeah, and I'm with Josh on it. I think he is only a downhill thumper. You watch the film and the range just isn't there. But FSU needs a true inside guy to fill the gap and end plays, and he does that very effectively. So is he an every down backer? Hell no, he's not. He's a, he's a two-down two guy. But he's a guy that plays a role. And it's in a defense that needs a guy that plays that role. They and have he's one about or two as physical as they come. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, it seems like the, the basement for him is that's a guy who, at least, the very least, is going to be a, a special teams nightmare for a couple of years. Like, yeah. he, like, like that's your worst-case scenario of what he could become. He's going to get it done between the tackles and come downhill. That is, that is his forte. It's what he's good at, but he's really, really good at. But that is the only thing he's really good at as far as, you know, what a linebacker is supposed to do. We talked about Xavier Peters being violent. Uh, this dude – Probably just as much, if not more so. Yeah. I, 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 Somebody was trying to compare him to Eric Stryker to me, which is never a good idea because I'm the president of the Eric Stryker fan club, especially from his Armwood days. Stryker was more versatile. Stryker to me was almost an undersized linebacker who could have been a safety, but he was so violent that you played him at linebacker. And he really played DM in high school. I yeah. Mean, he really just got after the passer in high school. If they were ever thought they were going to throw the football, he would just rush rush off the edge. Yeah, and to me, Miller's not that. Miller is a guy that plugs the middle and ends the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is fine. I, I mean, there's kind of been a, co- a couple common denominators with some of the defensive guys that, that Tag and Co. have offered, and they got a lot of guys who are hustlers and like to be strikers and attack, and, and that wasn't always evident in the you know last few years at Florida State. So I think that's kind of encouraging for fans to see. Yeah, Even if they're not getting those guys, that's kind of what they're going after. It's good to get away from being sharp and soft on defense. And, <laughs> you know, trying to be physical and strike a little fear well, into well, your you, opponent. They're they're going away from prototypes. I mean, this guy has to be this, this, and this. You know, physically, he has to fit this mold. He has to run this time. That Those aren't the necessities. Can this dude play football? Can he... You know, instill fear in someone on that side of the ball, and that—that's. And do important. we need it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think their number one thing that you've seen down the stretch is they're going after things they need. They need big body DNs. They want to get Briggs. They're trying to get Lamar. They need mm-hmm. a physical inside backer. They are trying to get Miller. They needed an edge rusher. They pursued Chatfield. They got Peters. They already had DBs. O line. There wasn't much they could do. They need receivers. We see them. You know, recruiting the guys that are coming in. Going after a guy like Jordan Young, who's committed to Tennessee, pursuing plenty of guys at that position, you know, it may not play out great because they needed a ton and the options were limited, but we've seen the pursuit happen. It is clear that they, number one, want talent, and number two, want to fill needs, and number three, want to improve the football team in certain departments. And I think they've done a good job in a limited amount of time Mm -hmm. with difficult circumstances of addressing that appropriately. 
I, I'd agree with that completely. Um, and you mentioned Lamar, Malcolm Lamar, Josh. Yep. Uh, what can you tell us? You know, we talked about James Miller with Armwood. Uh, the other two Armwood guys, both Malcolm Lamar and uh, and Warren Thompson, wide receiver. Uh, where do they stand? I know we've done a little bit of reporting on that. Are those two guys that could make it to Tallahassee for unofficial visits this weekend? Yeah, it sounds like they will. Um, I feel real confident that Warren Thompson's. After hearing uh, from some sources coming out of that Armwood in-home visit with Thompson and Malcolm Lamar, I feel very confident in Florida State's chances to land Warren Thompson, and I'm pretty confident in Florida State's chances to land Malcolm Lamar. I think the visit this weekend is very important that he makes it up on. Um, Assuming that he does end up taking that unofficial trip to Tallahassee this weekend, I think that they lock up both those guys, but right now I'm, I'm very confident that Warren Thompson's going to be a null. And that's a great transition. Who does FSU finish with? Do you want to go first or do you want me to go to first? Can I say first? something real quick? Uh, oh, so no one wants to chime No, I'm not doing predictions. Just the same logic outside looking at with Treshawn Harrison. Why the hell would a wide receiver choose to go play at South Carolina under Will Muschampion? If you were a linebacker, defensive back, that makes sense. To me, that's more about relationships. That's about Muschamp and T-Rob having good inroads with Armwood kids and people tied to Armwood. And yeah. that playing a big role with Warren more so than the fact that his offense has not been consistently atrocious. Well, I'm not saying that's stopped. something that you would, again, outside looking in, a kid, why would, yeah. No, Muschamp and T-Rob have some deep ties to that area, to Tampa, to some people around Warren. And I think that just those relationships got about there on an official visit. But like Chris said, it just doesn't make sense for yeah. him to actually go there. People, people sometimes fail to realize in recruiting relationships are probably the most important thing. It's why Treshawn Harrison, Harrison might take his ass all the way across the country because of a relationship and an offense. But first and foremost, it's because of a relationship. Mm-hmm. So as far as the finish, you want to go first, Newberg? You want to drop no, the gems? I'll, no, just go. Okay. James Foster, yes, I think so. Warren Thompson, yes, I think so. Treshawn Harrison, yes, I think so. Keyshawn Hilton, if they offer, definitely. Um, Malcolm Lamar, yes, I think so. Uh, James Miller, yes, I think so. I'm trying to think if I forgot anybody. You said James Miller twice. No, I said James Foster. Oh, did you? Sorry. Uh, If I I, said Miller first, I meant James Foster. I mean, I wasn't paying a lot of attention. James Foster was the first man I meant to talk about in this situation. Well, that's probably the big um, one. That's six additions. I don't feel comfortable calling Chapman. I think it's a real tight race down the stretch. It's going to be interesting. But I feel pretty confident in those six that I spoke about. What about you? Uh, yeah. I, I feel the same. <laughs> you think Chapman's a yay or a nay or too tough to call? I think Chapman right now I would say yes, but that's before his visit to Miami because I do think Miami's the biggest competition. So heading into that visit, it's hard to say what's going to happen, but right now I, I pencil him in. Um, I think Chatfield ends up at UF. Uh... And then I don't feel good about you know any of the guys that we're unsure coming in whether whether it be Tanner, Mincy, or Grant. You know I don't think those guys are going to end up in the class. Yeah, I, I think Tanner's probably going to Auburn. I know Gus was in the home last night with him. It feels like they've been a long term favorite with him. With Mincy, it sounds like South Carolina made a major move with him over the weekend. But I'm not ready to rule out Tennessee. He has a lot of relationships with Pruitt and Kevin Scherer at Tennessee, and they were kind of the first school to jump on him when he backed off of Arkansas. So I still think they're in it. But South Carolina feels real good about where they stand with him. And he came out of that visit saying he's probably done with visits and all that. So that's always kind of a good sign for the school too. But that's about it. We're eight days out. Um, we'll have at least one more pod between now and signing day, if not two. Never know. Maybe 
maybe we'll get Newberg at the gym and do an emergency pod. Or the barbershop. But all in all, I think people should be pleased. It looks like they're going to finish sure. really well. And uh, let it play out. Yeah. All right. Thank that, you, guys. Yeah. No, thank you, Josh. Love really, you, Josh. Really appreciate it. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>